Welcome to Reading for Attention, the weekly podcast where me, Paul, and me bezzy mate Sarah chat about a recent book whilst drinking a carefully selected beverage. Now, why have we committed to reading a book every single week and talking about it in a public forum? Well, the same reason me and Sarah do anything in life, for attention. Hello. Hello, Paul. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. I'm back in Edinburgh after a whistle-stop tour of London, um, where I saw roughly 4,000 people and the inside of 8 million train carriages. And who was the most important person? It was me in the mirror each morning. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I very much enjoyed our time together. It was short and sweet, but that doesn't matter because we'll be reconvening next week friday 7 p.m sharp i'll be in the tune actually that's a lie 7 22 with my top off and prosecco bowl tops off as well oh i was wondering where that <laughs> prosecco bowl is oh, gonna be kinga <laughs> kinga it's not the first time she's come up <laughs> and it won't be the last <laughs> absolutely not we had a civilized by our standards friday night it was really civilized. I must apologize now, though, because that story was shite. At that Instagram story where I was just like, not like us staying in. Shut up. Shut up. And quite like famously, it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, we enjoy nothing more than sitting on your sofa watching YouTube videos of past Eurovision <laughs> winners' songs and just like snogging each other. So I don't know why I said that. I'm trying to act cool. How much do you reckon we drank? Because to me, it was nothing. It was a lot. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. We, well, do you want me to give you a blow-by-blow blow count? Yeah. So, bottle of Prosecco upon entry. Yep. We saw that off quite rapido. Then we went to the pub. Mm-hmm. And I think we had two to three bottles of wine there. Kind of forgot about the pub bit. <laughs> and then we came home. And I believe you had a bit more Prosecco because I wanted more Prosecco and you were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> because um, Michael was making Margarita Picante. Oh, yeah. Which was Stundog. And then we had one of his vats of espresso martini, <laughs> which I then rested my weary head on a pillow. Uh, I think we went to bed relatively early, like half 11, 12-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously my heart was just in my throat beating a million miles an hour until 1am. But yeah, Why? Because of the caffeine. This is the time you use decaf coffee and I'll be embarrassed. Uh, oh God, no. It was it was really strong, actually. Yeah, it was. I also thought you meant because of the noise from the neighbours. Oh no, that was funny though, because I was riling Michael up and then I was like, I'll go upstairs and say something to him. And then he was like, will you? And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah Again, i've done that before that. don't call michael's bluff <laughs> no no because well he calls yours yeah we've had a fabulous uh experience actually with the neighbors so i don't know if they're the same neighbors but obviously they had a doof, doof, doof party all night on friday and then on saturday morning woke up and do you know the bit where the bins are yes well there's just a wardrobe door <laughs> a full double mattress <gasps> And about 300 bags of shit just just cased in this tiny bin bit. It's like, do you really think they're going to take that? It's just so upsetting. So now 
Michael's yeah. taken a passive aggressive picture. He was, he said, let's just put it in the corridor. Let's just put it in the corridor. I was like, no, no, but what if it's not them? Like, then that's, that's <laughs> you just moved it indoors. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's lovely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Friday night was wonderful. We watched the 1% Club. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I love it. I've got the app as well. I was too uh, drunk. I'll try again when I'm sober. It's really hard when you're drunk. And then um, said, no girlfriend ever. Way! <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. That was a good one. That Paul. was good. Thank you. We'll edit the time gap between. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, so after my really civilized Friday, and I genuinely thought it was, woke up Saturday, ran fucking 20k, didn't I? Buzzing with myself, took my modium, and then <laughs> went for a late lunch slash early dinner with Izzy and Charlie. Not really knowing where the night was going to go, but Izzy had driving lesson the next day, so I wasn't drinking. So I was like, That's okay. 6 a.m. Yeah, probably. And then I had uh, one pint, one glass of wine, went home. And then I've got this new thing that is my favourite thing to do. I think this is definitely a sign of age that we'll get the sofa bed out and we'll watch TV. And then Michael watches something else and I lie on my back and drift off to sleep. Oh, it's... so did you have a little sleepover in your living room? We do it all the time now. I get Michael to get it out. Um <laughs> <laughs> what's the matter with us uh, did that <laughs> on Saturday one, lovely one thing on his mind and then so that was civilised that was genuinely civilised and then sat Sunday went to the Groucho Club did I tell you about this mm, maybe so the Groucho yes, Club did. is a apparently it's quite passe now but I've not seen any members clubs before so I was absolutely buzzing because mm. my auntie was over from Australia she's a like, powerful woman and she was staying there, so she got to have guests. Um, so we had a three-course meal. She paid for half of it, thank God. And then <laughs> we're sitting next to Ruth Jones. Just fabulous. I know. Did you make eye contact? No, but when I walked in, it was it was very quiet. There was only Ruth Jones and her husband, I guess, another table, and then us as a table. So it was quite quiet. <gasps> and I walked in, and as soon as I saw her, I went, <gasps> and she like looked, and then oh, I just no. tried to really play it off. And I think I, I was like, I think I've I think I've managed to play that off there. And then Michael sat down and announced in a very shouty whisper to the whole table, it's Ruth Jones, you know, from Gavin and Stacey. I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you weren't you're not allowed to take photos or anything in there, man. Maybe that wasn't Ruth Jones' husband. She's having an illicit affair. And maybe <sighs> Ruth Jones' husband listens to this podcast and he thinks, hang on, I wasn't at the Grouch on Sunday. Oh my God, can you imagine? You've just been a well, you're not a homewrecker, but you've outed a... I'm just going to Google her husband and see if it was him. David Pete. Oh. David Pete and Ruth Jones. I was going to say that. They're just all first names. Yeah. <laughs> Jones. Um, Common first name Jones. He's pretty standard male. Could well be him. Okay. Um. Also... Back to my celebrity encounter last week. Oh, yeah. Quite a few people have now been in touch and have guessed correctly, which means I didn't do a very good job of protecting that person's privacy. They yeah. live in Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, I, I've just had that conversation with Charlotte at work today. She didn't quite get it immediately, but then oh. she texted us just as I was leaving, all in caps with about 3,000 exclamation marks. Um, God, we're very celebby at the minute. I know. Talking of which... Mm. Should we tell the listeners what this podcast is about? 
let's you do it oh my god okay so guys we told you last week you should know and the week before that probably and also when it happened but this week we are reading a book that was very 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 kindly sent to us by meekling press geez it is meekling the the font is about my point zero four um meekling press it's called the enhancers by Anne Kayoda. it hadn't come out when we received it we got an advanced copy to read mm-hmm. because we are going to be in conversation with Anne K. Yoda this is it our first interviewing gig I'm so proud of us I'm I'm really quite proud and scared it makes sense because we do have upwards of 10 million listeners. It's true. Do you think we should ask her if she's ever thought about how her name sounds like Yoda, like Yoda? I don't know if we should. Shall I be like, welcome, Yoda, K-Anne. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was right. That was sitting right in front of me and it still took me by surprise. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> on fire. Yoda Kan, welcome you are. <laughs> but anyway, it means that we don't have to introduce the book or the drink because <laughs> Anne K Yoda is gonna do that for us right now. <laughs> welcome Anne to Reading for Attention. Thank you. I'm really uh, excited to be here. You're We're up. so excited to have you. <laughs> First ever guest. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, just don't trash my book in front of me. <laughs> no, we'll just we'll do that behind your back. Okay. 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 I'll hear it later. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll be pleased to hear that we loved your book. We've already discussed oh. this. Thank oh. God. Thank <laughs> God. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're so pleased to have you here. Um, and. The first thing we always do on our podcast episodes is do a little synopsis of the book and then sure. introduce the drink. But okay. since you're here, you may okay. as well do both of those things for us. Both so. of those things. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm the worst person to do like a synopsis of the book. But <laughs> uh, yeah, um, let me start with the drink because yeah, yeah, that that, that yes, is please. tangible i actually i made one for this oh did great. you excellent i did uh, oh, okay mine- yeah. and okay yeah <laughs> uh so the drink is the chlorofreeze which gin gin and tonic the chlorofreeze gnt um which i felt was very suited to life in lumina hills which is where the novel takes place um it is it uh has liquid chlorophyll in it which just seems like something they would be drinking and it would also come out of a slushy machine so Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) they'd be hooked up to it at all times totally yeah i mean maybe just a tube through the yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. (laughs) or through the nose but (laughs) so uh the chlorophyll gives it a really nice like fresh taste I think. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm actually quite surprised by how nice this drink is. Yeah, me <laughs> I too. I made one for my flatmate as well, and he was like, I don't know if I want that. And, I, and now he's guzzling it away in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. So. yeah, and it's like really? got a nice froth to the top of it. I put yeah. it in the blender, which I never use. And yeah. yeah, when I first read the drink, I thought it said chloroform. Oh, well, and that I thought, could be oh. exciting, but maybe yeah. hard to get. No, <laughs> um, but I'd never heard of chlorophyll used in this context, really, other than like year nine photosynthesis 
science lesson right yeah. um, but then I spoke to people at work and some of them were like yeah I drink that in my water every day so I don't know if it's a gen z thing but people seem to to know what was going on with chlorophyll right yeah I mean yeah no I've I've done a little reading on it I can't say that I'm a frequent chlorophyll drinker other than like you know through like kale maybe <laughs> you know, like kale smoothies um <laughs> but yeah it's it's kind of great I'm- it's fab and it is 2 p.m. where you are is that right it is 2 p.m. so I am having my we endorse (laughs) we endorse if anything I'm jealous that I've not been drinking these (laughs) since 2 p.m. yes it's a great start to my happy hour (laughs) yeah um yeah so tell us about the enhancers then it's your debut novel debut novel um tell us what it's about so it's about three teenagers who are coming of age in a town, a pharmaceutical factory town called Lumina Hills. Um, it's slightly dystopian, although I found that uh, I've been writing this for a while and it feels actually less dystopian because our world has become more dystopian. <laughs> uh, and there are myriad pharmaceuticals that people take uh, really for every occasion. And there is one pharmaceutical uh, called Valedictorian that all that's a, a mental augmentation that all students have to take to do well in school. And the main character, there, there are many voices of this novel, but I would say that Hannah is the through line main mm-hmm. character. And she doesn't, the Valedictorian doesn't agree with her uh she has bad side effects she starts to question it she has a friend who has basically a psychic break and then it kind of goes from there oh yes amazing loved just re-listening to that again and being like it's it's so nice being able to hear um, an author talk about their work me and Paul do have a bit of an issue with how much we obsess over author intention um so it feels oh, like wow. we're finally I know we shouldn't <laughs> but we're finally getting to the nitty-gritty um but I would like to start from the very beginning could you tell us about your writing journey because you're not a writer by trade is that right I mean I guess you're now I, mean, I I well I've been doing these things simultaneously I'm not a writer by pay perhaps by paycheck. Um, uh-huh. I've been, I went through pharmacy school and yes, I mean, writing is always something I've done, but I very much kept these two things separate. Um, and actually I started writing the book when I was in MFA school at art school in Chicago, at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh, um, and I had left pharmacy. I was like, I am never going to work this again, except I can work at part-time and get paid much better than I can as a writer. So, uh, so, so I have gone back to it, but at that point in my life, I was not working in pharmacy and I was just like, wow, like I have this whole archive of knowledge and that I really have just Mm -hmm. shut out or that I really don't care to engage in because it's my work life. And so then I was, um, TAing a class on art and biotechnology taught by the artist Eduardo Katz and I worked as his assistant for a while and I was thinking just about augmentations and thinking about pharmaceuticals and thinking about well how could I bring this into my creative work and bring these two things together I was reading William James kind of on Mm -hmm. 
consciousness and and having these questions about like what does it you know really like philosophical like oh what does it mean to be a person in the world but then also what does it mean like what is experience you know like filtered through pharmaceuticals or whatever and then um and then you know also having worked in pharmacy and having written and having worked primarily in hospitals um, up until that point, there's a, like just the questions about the medical system. I mean, especially in the U.S., I know you're in the U.K., so it's different. But mm-hmm. here it's privatized. It's for profit. And, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is just I mean, it's so it's so apparent now, especially after COVID, just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the the ways that the pharmaceutical industry runs everything here um, and, and the ways that people um, that yeah, so it was it was a way of thinking about all of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a cash cow in the states, isn't it? I mean, it is here as well. To oh be my honest. god! But- <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's it's in- insane. Mm. I think though we talk about this a lot on the podcast as well. How it's always it does make for a more interesting book when the writer isn't a writer by trade or has a background elsewhere. Because- because then they can draw from that experience and it feels more authentic and we're all seeking authenticity all the time. Um, But I think what was the most impressive about this for me was because I knew about your background in um, pharmaceuticals, then you chose to write from the perspective of a teenage girl, but that that didn't mean that any of the authenticity was lost. That actually just sort of backed up how real this seemed and how much that world seemed like it could exist and might well exist in the future so I wanted to I wanted to know why you chose to write from a teenage girl's perspective I mean primarily because the first person accounts are in her in her voice right 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 exactly I mean there are are multiple perspectives but it's mostly Mm -hmm. Hannah's voice and yeah I mean I think um one I just wanted to write uh, an intelligent female narrator who um, yes. is coming of age and within this society and and discovering kind of the difference between what she has been told and what she has learned and trying to figure out things for herself. Um, and I think I, I actually had a number of people ask me as I was writing this if I wanted it to be young adult literature and I was just like no like I don't mm-hmm. I want this to be a book that that I mean and and not to say anything it isn't against young adult literature but just this sense of like I would love for young women coming of age to want to read this but like it felt mm-hmm. like a sense of like I want I want to have an intelligent teenage narrator who is it, female who is encountering this um and you know I think I was also at the time reading the preliminary materials for the theory of the young girl by Takun that uh Ariana Raines translated Mm -hmm. um at least and was published in the states um and and it talks about the young kind of like the young girlification of us all as consumers and how we are all kind of brought into the system as young girls and so so it also felt like like thinking about that it's like okay like we're all being sold these ideas of like becoming and yeah so I mean I think that's that's 
really why I wanted, you know, like the marriage of like kind of both of those things. Yeah, no, definitely. And it seems as well that there's a huge, um, maybe push back amongst the generation against these sort of ideals that we're being presented with. I think for the first time, it feels like younger generations are being more resistant to what feels like it should be expected or is already known about things. And it and it was really refreshing to read a young character who was intelligent, who despite not, despite maybe it, in parts of the novel was trying to be sort of kept from identifying with a self a sense of self is pushing back against that and is like actually no I'm not sure if this is for me and I'm right. still trying to figure out who I am as a teenager that's how it felt and it was it was really it was nice to read something yeah from that perspective that wasn't like patronizing in any way or undermines how intelligent young people are and can be especially in a in a place where it, it could quite easily be you know any kind of character or expression could be dimmed Right. Yeah, no, I mean, completely. I think that there are these ideas, uh, I mean, you know, that, I, I mean, it's just experiential knowledge. It's kind of growing up hearing these ideas of, well, this is how society functions. And I mean, I think like here in the States, you know, there's this idea of like, um, among some people of like American exceptionalism and, you know, each generation mm -hmm. goes on to, you know, achieve more. And it's just like, well, you know, like, is is that true like what you know like in this kind of I mean here it feels very late capitalist you know this sense of like okay like well no I don't think that we can keep expanding you know yeah. and and so you know these ideas of like the American dream I think a lot of these things have really been like brought into question like in politically like you know like mm -hmm. just seeing kind of like oh I mean I think even for me, I feel like, oh, like I had all of these ideas of like what like the US political system was um, that are have been brought into question in a completely new way within, you know, like since 2015. So yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't know how much of our political disasters at the minute are getting over oh. to the States. <laughs> I've seen a little bit of that. I've been traveling a bit, so I've kind of just been seeing. Uh, yeah, I've 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 definitely witnessed that from afar, and yeah, uh... it's wow. It's like so entertaining to watch, but also mm -hmm. it's like, oh no, that's my life. <laughs> it's <laughs> really. I mean, it's catastrophic at the minute. I mean, they've it done... is quite bad. It's, is the American dollar is be is is stronger than the pound or uh, like and me yeah almost like I, at least on par yeah, yeah. that's unfathomable yeah I mean, and I've just <laughs> I've just booked to go to New York as well like what oh, oh god <laughs> no, but yeah they, I mean Liz Truss I, I mean wow what a woman she's <laughs> terrifying and she <laughs> just decided to do this mini budget which turned out to be the most extreme budget that's ever happened <laughs> and that's when the dollar and the pound are almost the same and then today they've got a new chance and he's just reversed it all so it's it's like really quite terrifying oh my god um, <laughs> so I think of sometimes as Brits I think we get a little bit smug about our politics when we look at the, U the US but I yeah. think <laughs> it's really kind of you know uh, over the last well, five neck years neck. so definitely yeah. neck well, and neck. now yeah no I mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so thinking about 
Britain and America because uh, one of the things that I noticed so much when I was in America was this constant selling of drugs on the TV. <laughs> and okay. obviously there's an there's an advert every five seconds and it's always about antidepressants and all of these different drugs. And, and it's quite jarring as as a British person watching that and thinking, oh God, and all the billboards and everything. So mm-hmm. that it really felt like that in this book. And I loved how it was obviously very a very serious message and, and lots of scary things happen in this book. Um, but it's also really funny. There's all of these, uh, you know, all of the different drugs that you introduce and their names and what they do and the side effects. It's just really funny and tongue in cheek to read. Um, and I actually incidentally picked up um, a prescription from a pharmacy. Yes, like the other day. And I was I had your book in my pocket and I just saw for the very first time the wall of drugs behind the pharmacy. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I've never really thought about it like this before. And I think COVID as well is the well, the first time for me any anyway, I've really thought about who's profiting off that and that has been a big conversation in the UK there's lots of you know nepotism Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff going on um, and selling off parts of the NHS um so although it's a different climate I think in terms of this kind of pharmaceutical stuff how do you think that your you've kind of touched on it but how do you think your personal experience as a pharmacist informed this because when I was reading it I was thinking oh this is quite disparaging of the pharmacy (laughs) (laughs) how's how's Anne's boss gonna feel about this (laughs) yeah yeah, tell me a bit more about that (laughs) I mean yes I also work in a very like contingent atmosphere right now so so we'll see they might not read it at all um Yeah, I mean, you know, it's really, it's interesting because uh, back when I was in pharmacy school, um, I interned at a corporation. It was actually Consumer Health Information Corporation um, that... Yeah. Even that sounds dystopian. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, I mean, I'm really just pulling from real life here. Um, And, you know, I was just like, oh, I think I want to do medical writing because just, you know, like the, I didn't see myself like as a pharmacist, um, I, I really like had this desire to write. And so I just thought, well, I will try to do this. And it was just insane because it was uh, a company that was started after direct to consumer advertising in the US, which was something that wasn't allowed before the early nineties. Mm. Um, but then like now it is everywhere. Um, and they worked on like patient information, uh, I want to say inserts, but, you know, like the, they worked on, and I worked on, you know, the, the part of the pharmaceutical advertisement that is telling you how you can use this medication. And also in very basic language, telling you all of the side effects, but trying to not scare people off. Um, And it requires, you know, talking to marketing and talking to legal and it's insane. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I just, as a writer, as somebody who is always, and I guess in some ways I've always identified as a writer. Um, I did go through pharmacy school, um, but I found, you know, one of the things that always excited me or that I found interesting was just like the bizarre language or like thinking about the language and how it's used. Um, and so that made its way into the book um, mm-hmm. as a way that, you know, I could take kind of, you know, what's out there and what we are all familiar with and and play with it and make you know and and I think in in some way as a goal try to make it a new so like 
you Paul saying that like you went to the pharmacy and you saw like the names of the drugs for the first time is so exciting for me to hear. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you say that actually because there are a couple of um, parts of the book where especially you have to sort of turn the book, which I really enjoy that level of interaction when you actually read a book, but you turn the book to read uh, a list of side effects um, that happen between a drug and then the placebo. And it's so funny because it's in the exact same style and the exact same font as you would find one of those little leaflets in a box of drugs that your eyes just scan over. And then because it's a book and you read it and you read it with that intention, it's it's like, oh God, this this could be stuff that is actually written on those little leaflets. And normally right. I just be like, well, as long as the side effect is an immediate death, I'll just take them. I'll just do what I'm told. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I you know, I like how in some <laughs> Yeah, no. I know. And then but I feel like there might have been I feel this is something that happened a couple of years ago when it was um all about contraception and how I think there was some someone had like got out one of these sheets of paper and unfolded it and it was like reams and reams of information and it's like well if we've got to read all of that should we think of a better method like surely (laughs) surely this isn't something that we should just be taking with any book abstinence (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah (laughs) yeah it was so it was so funny reading that because they progressively would get more absurd or so it would feel um and it's just like yeah is that maybe yeah a little bit it's like basically anything you take could like kill you if it's Mm -hmm. the wrong circumstance and you're like the wrong person or and and you know and it's all about liability right I mean it's just like okay yeah we don't want to be held accountable um sure yeah like yeah there's side effects I mean maybe there should be other yeah I mean I don't know I I heard that vasectomies are really like shooting up in the U.S. because of what's happened with mm-hmm. Wade um I don't think that's the answer either but yeah. <laughs> you know like um yeah, yeah it was it was the, the, those moments I found it especially like funny because I was like oh this I feel I feel as though I've been like read here because <laughs> I was like reading these things and it was so absurd and it'd just be like god surely yeah. these people aren't going to take this like come on think about this for a second and they're chomping three at a time and like right. you know, have like a tiny bit of a flutter of anxiety so that like <laughs> Hannah will throw back three different pills and whatever right. and I'm like oh my god and then I'm like oh wait a second when I'm hungover it's a hundred paracetamol <laughs> 20 ibuprofen <laughs> I'm, I'm just like anything to make this stop <laughs> the thing about I, I'm ashamed to say but some of the descriptions of those little pills just sounded so fabulous yeah and little, I was like I'll take some half moon I, know, I, and I was like ooh I'm, I'm not quite bad. yeah delixers you know sign oh yeah up, you know uh the sweat and swirl exercise in a pill oh yes. that one that one that whole spa yeah. experience I was like sounds fabulous yeah, I know I'll be there fantasy is fog series well I'm really glad that uh this uh like in in thinking about the structure of the book I was thinking about the package insert that comes along you know with (laughs) the the drug um and and just the formatting of that and so uh, you know like I'm glad that the book makes it you know a more like a a more interesting way to engage (laughs) with that too because yeah definitely very dry yeah the whole um um, it's quite hard to 
actually articulate because I've not thought it through fully. But the whole form of the book felt quite like post-contemporary to me, the way that it was written, the style, not just mm-hmm. these little instances of um, the inserts that you say. Um, and I was wondering about how much that was kind of difficult for your writing. So the way that I perceived it was that there wasn't much distinction between a character's like thoughts, what was actually happening to them and where they were. And, th- and that for me read as though they're so doped up that there's this complete disconnect, but then also okay. kind of a hyper connectivity in the same way uh, between themselves, between each other like their parents and Mm -hmm. all of the and it kind of it was a very like fluid prose in that sense um and it did read to me as though it's just because they're also like oh yeah I can't I'm not actually going to really engage with this feeling and then I'll just take another pill or whatever right and I wondered how much that informed the writing informed the content or whether it was the other way around because it's so impressive and it's so and it really does mirror like the effect of what I imagine it's like living in this dystopia or this (laughs) maybe reality Um, (laughs) and so I wondered yeah if that was really difficult a process for you or whether it was something that came naturally um you know I think um I wanted to depict Hannah and Celia and Azzy in a state where they were alienated and felt kind of like lost like that life Mm -hmm. is kind of like a screen right and and the sense of of distance and um and that's in some ways that was easy to write I think what was challenging to write um about these characters was to write it in a way that was engaging enough for a reader to be drawn in because it's like okay you're writing alienated you know kind of uh alienated teenage girls who mm-hmm. are are kind of detached from the world like how how do you actually show that in a way where they are also compelling characters um mm-hmm. so so like the distance was easy and like thinking about you know the screens but but then in a way to make them a bit more full so that readers could be engaged with it I think um yeah that was challenging and I you know I very much wanted it to be a way of them maybe finding themselves alienated and just always taking a pill for an emotion and then starting to question that and and open up Mm -hmm. to like oh well this is not necessarily a way that I well and I don't know if in some ways like some of the characters decide this isn't a way I want to be in the world but you know it's also maybe just the awareness of that um yeah but yeah so I mean it is it's like that was it it was easy I mean yeah and I mean just thinking about screens and information like just the ways that we're absorbing so much information and just Mm -hmm. kind of these passive observers in some ways I mean even like it's like even if you're like say on Twitter and feel like you're engaging like are you really engaging like yeah in what what way and it's so easy to you know like substitute (laughs) that or to feel engaged and still feel so completely disconnected so Mm -hmm. um, yeah that really yeah that was really successful and again I was like every time one of them was on a device or their device was that they could trace each other so easily it's it's 
scary how just absolutely true and realistic that is to read it in a book format and then be like well yeah that is that is the complete truth we're all just stoned off phones and we can find each other really easily and oh god yeah that bit was shit I'm gonna put my phone in the other room (laughs) (laughs) but I was like I need to take a beta blocker (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I wondered about the adults the fully fledged adults in this book so obviously we had Hannah's mm-hmm. perspective a lot in in first person and then we had some more th- kind of third person with her her mother for example what right what did where did you see them in the story what was the the reason to have those kind of punctuation of you know outside of Hannah's perspective yeah I mean I think one of one of the questions that I was working on was the sense of and and something that always intrigues me, I think, in my writing is trying to like understand how if multiple people encounter the same situation, how they have very different perspectives. And I think for me, the idea of including multiple perspectives, in part because I was thinking about the town and trying to create texture for that, that that bringing the parents and their perspectives into that um, would would give more depth. Um, I think I also from the beginning and this somewhat changed, but I was thinking also just of, um, I mean, the book very much started as a polyvocal narrative. So having multiple voices and, and maybe being more language forward in the sense and, and less attentive to narrative than I think in the end I realized I wanted it to be so so it really started with these voices for me I mean and on some level um I think yeah I mean it's it's interesting to think about it now because it's like well I don't know like having written this it's like there are there are other there are other ways to go about it but it was important to uh include the pharmaceutical voice and kind of the the factory town, like the town itself as having a great presence. Mm. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, so I think, and, and being able to include the pharmaceutical language as its own, um, as its own voice was very important to me. Um, I have to say, Harold, I started writing and I was just like, where did this voice come from? I don't <laughs> know, but it's just like he he appeared fully formed and I was just like well I've got to I I mean and that was part of it too is just like okay like I am conceiving of this world but also like Harold is right here and like beginning he was not supposed to be like he was not part of the plan for the book at all but he just kind of (laughs) showed up and just like okay like this is working I'm just going to keep with it so I oh mean, thank that's... god he did I loved Harold <laughs> shout out Harold <laughs> <laughs> he was so sweet <laughs> yeah no he is like yeah I mean it's it's so bizarre like to write that and be like it was such a surprise because but I was yeah. just like yes and I loved Harold too and I was just like okay he's here so it's about yeah. you know he's going to have his voice and Judy comes in to kind of counterbalance the family and yeah yeah um so I know that when you pitch books you have to say where you think they're going to sit on the shelves and things like this and um (laughs) Sarah and I now are big Jennifer Egan fans and we Ah. definitely saw some Jennifer Egan in the enhancers um 
And also, I hadn't really thought about it, Sarah, but with Goon Squad, where you're turning the book around and reading it in different ways and yeah. things, that definitely mm-hmm. felt like that. Um, what other kind of books do you think that this is inspired by and dialogue with, you know, all those things you get asked by, you know, people right, who want to sell right. your book? I mean, I'm, I'm actually more fascinated to hear other people's perceptions of the book, because I think, you know, kind of like my my desires. Yeah, I mean, like, hey, that's great. I have, uh, Patrick Cottrell, uh compared the prose to Jenny Erpenbeck and I was just like oh my god I love <laughs> I love Jenny Erpenbeck so yes I will take that thank you <laughs> um, um you know I I guess thinking about that like it's easier for me to think about you know influences of the book I mean one I would say like having read Oval by Elvio Wilk um and uh having some people compare the book to that I think that there is a dialogue there um mm. just um in terms of pharmaceuticals contemporary society a critique um and then just also thinking about her latest book of essays that also bring in like climate change and yeah. thinking about mm-hmm. um extinction and it's just like oh so I feel like there's like similar the ether you know is like being exchanged between those two books um you know I think um smart books about young women that um that I really enjoyed reading um like uh Lynn Tillman's Haunted Houses which I know was mm-hmm. recently uh reprinted in the UK by Peninsula Press that is a book I've really loved um also Azarine Vandervliet Illumi's uh Savage Tongues is a great oh, book yeah yeah, I mean, and and that's like a young narrator who's just like, oh, yeah, like that novel killed me. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, like in terms of influences, other, you know, so this was not, this is something I actually encountered after finishing the book, but um, a friend gifted me with uh, Diane DePrima's Revolutionary Letters, and it's mm-hmm. a book of of activist poems and like they're anti-capital and anti-Dow chemical and you know and, and it really is about like overthrowing the factory and I just like I read this I was like oh my god this is like totally about Lumina Hills you know yeah. so um let's I yeah oh another book that I mean and this is a book that I feel it's in conversation with not that it would be um sitting on the shelves with it but uh testo junkie by uh beatrice preciado who transitioned to paul b preciado um i was reading that at the beginning of the book and uh beatrice was play like using testosterone for off-label uses you know Mm -hmm. just to like kind of use it and to like write a diary of it and this is how Mm -hmm. the book came about and and as a creator critique of the pharmaceutical industry or just and of kind of the culture that that engenders um so I would say I would say that too um I'm writing all of these down that's why I'm looking at this screen <laughs> over here sound amazing um so as I mentioned before we started Sarah and I are cheapskates who still haven't paid for okay. the uh zoom <laughs> that lets you stay longer than 40 minutes but okay. it keeps us to to time you know so, mm-hmm. exactly yeah. um but in the last few minutes I just wondered if you could tell us what is next for Anke Yoda so obviously I'm guessing yeah. you've got lots of promoting this book and and all of this kind of thing what are you working on anything else that we can get look forward to 
am. I yeah, I <gasps> am. I mean, I so when I was submitting this book a few years ago, I just started another narrative and it's, and I just thought like, I don't want to do, I want to do kind of the opposite in the sense of, I want to do one voice psychological narrative and just trace it. It's about um, a daughter who is in her thirties. Her father is in hospice um, and they have a very contentious relationship. The father is dying. And so there is, the question of you know whether she's really the only person who could come back to help him as he dies so it and mm -hmm. it's kind of like the last you know like six weeks and and questioning you know like what who deserves a good death and what is a good death mm -hmm. um I mean that's um but also but also like encountering I don't like that's a very basic um encounter with it I mean I think it also is like questioning memory, trauma, um, geological time versus human time. Mm. Um, but... oh, I, I just got shivers down my spine. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. I'll read yeah. it. <laughs> we will be reading. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for being our very thank first you. guest on Reading for Attention. I've, my drink's yeah. gone. Um, okay. really well, then, you know, that. That's it, why he's, he's, he's shooing us out. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the rest of it. My okay. brother doesn't want any more. So, um, yeah, it's been absolutely lovely having you. Um, yes. We loved your book and we can't wait thank for your you. next one. Um, and best of yeah. luck with all of the promo and everything. Very exciting. Thank and also, so what a gorgeous cover. That's the other thing we do oh. is judge books oh. by the cover. Please and do. is this the cover that you'll be using in the US? Yes. yes. Oh, oh, it's yeah, stunning. Yeah. Absolutely. Susan Gold. Um, I just have to plug. Yeah, the, plug it. The artist yeah. Susan Gold, who lives in Baltimore, is an artist and actually, um, recently had an art book published by Meekling mm. Press, and nice. He did the cover, and it's it's gorgeous. Beautiful. Oh. Thank you so yeah. much for joining Thank us. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy the rest yeah. of your day. It's yes. still a nice, bright and early day and with I you. Still have a, I still have most of my drinks. <laughs> Down it. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to meet you, Anne. Thank Likewise. you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Wow. 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 We did it. That was impressive from us, I think. Do you think she thought we were cool? Yeah, well, she said. <laughs> Do you think she thought we'd done this before? <laughs> yeah, of course. We're naturals. We are naturals. <laughs> we are so natural. Uh... <laughs> oh, that was very, very special. And thank God, the thing that been plaguing my nightmare since we agreed to do this interview was what if the book shit <laughs> <laughs> and thank god it was a fine book i thoroughly genuinely enjoyed the enhancers <laughs> you meant fine as in like it was bang average <laughs> no like one fine no, it day was, yes it was good it was a very good book and yeah it felt good to not have to just lie for an hour I know. Oh, <sighs> absolutely lovely what a delight she was yeah lovely person fascinating life and a brilliant storyteller yep i'll never look at a pharmacy the same way again not me <laughs> and she loved my yoda joke <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say it in the interview but i know i know she did <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh bloody hell thank you so much and come back yeah, anytime thanks. oh my god yes please do and we'll probably uh, our next guest let's not lie <laughs> <laughs> so if you could just make that quick turnaround yeah our next guest is Anne again <laughs> <laughs> we made the same jokes <laughs> yeah oh bloody hell right I know what we can talk about mm. because this is something that we watched together actually now that I think about watching that I was drunker than I thought anyway oh yeah me too I woke up the next day and I was like what did she say again <laughs> didn't we have to watch it again basically on youtube <laughs> anyway put out your misery kim k finally addressed that bloody variety interview and mm. i resent her because we spent a lot of time dissecting what we thought she might say and the different options and she didn't even spend as much time thinking about it as we did <laughs> we should be her pr team uh-huh what did you think saz well, just give a little back. This is the last time we'll give background to this, but just in case anyone's not clear. <laughs> so she did the variety magazine shoot with her sisters. And then they said, do you have any advice for women in business? And she goes, I'll say it. And she like, cuts everyone off. Nobody wants to work anymore. No one wants to get off their fucking asses and work. And then everyone was like, oh, <laughs> all right, Kim. Uh, cheers. And then in the Kardashians have been teasing obviously that received a lot of backlash and then in the Kardashians they've been teasing how like for the last few episodes how she addresses that backlash and it seemed like it was looking quite emotional um and we were like yeah she's fucked it because she can't she cannot double down on that but she also can't backtrack because that doesn't that doesn't fall in line with her current character trajectory so what they did was they edited the clip. So she goes, it's like, nobody, work. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's one second long. And she basically says, well, this is a bit where my memory goes fuzzy. She basically says that she has experienced um, poverty. <laughs> She's like, "I what people don't know is really funnily enough in my incredibly well documented life this part somehow has up until now slipped under the radar that is that I am actually working class yeah and I've never ever had two like two pennies to rub together um it was really hard my parents got divorced um (laughs) which takes me back to a time when my friend was in a was watching this open mic night and a guy with a guitar got up and he went this one goes out to anyone whose parents ever got divorced (laughs) right so all of us (laughs) yeah Um, and yeah that was the extent of it that was the extent of the damage apart from there was this scene in the car that was meant to you know how i was saying that i've just lost all ability to humanize them now i can't empathize with them whatever there was this bit in the back of the car where they were really trying to make us feel like bad about the harassment that they'd received for saying one of the most idiotic things um and kim's like I just, I don't know if this is ever going to stop. And Chloe goes, well, dare I say it, it won't stop and, until we stop implying death, which again happens to everyone, Chloe. And then she goes, but luckily we're built for this. And Kim has this like moment of like pensive thought. And she goes, I don't know if I am anymore. <laughs> and then it's like, next time you're keeping up the Kardashians. And Hello. Kim's got a new husband and whatever. God, I mean, it really was just to double down and backtracked, and it was just 
awful. Yeah, they edited it so much. It was. So it then was like, that has now got backlash. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Did they really think that we weren't going to notice that they'd edited it? Imagine if it was to the extent of, I love women. I think women <laughs> work very hard. <laughs> and in reality, it was I love work. Women don't work very hard. I hate women. Mm. Uh, I, mean, I the, hate poor people. They've they've all fucked it for me now. In well, it's not even one fell swoop really because I've been going after them for a while. But it was a similar thing to when Kendall said mm. that people. It's when she says, and I, I guess you guys can all attest to this. I hate the way she says that. I don't know why. That yeah. she works so, so hard. <laughs> and that actually she took her name off her modeling portfolio, that her last name, so that she'd be taken seriously. I'm like, sorry, do you think if you take Jenna off your thing, they're just like, who's this brand new woman? Like, we all look at Kendall. What an interesting Kendall. name. Yeah. And she's just acting as if she could just remove her privilege by a. And Kim's just done the exact same thing. She said, well, I don't know if any of you tried to start a career from a reality show and a sex tape. It's like, well, no, not really, Kim. But <laughs> it's actually really hard. It's like, e. Yeah, she thinks that she's faced more obstacles because of the yeah. sex tape and the reality show than if that had never happened. Yeah. And then <laughs> Chloe saying, basically validating her and sucking her tits and then saying um, that thing about, I don't know if it'll ever stop. It's like, well, it it will stop if you stop. Like, stop it. Yeah. Stop yeah. it. Exactly. Stop it. Yeah. yeah. I don't stop. know if I don't know if our stupidity will ever stop. Yeah. Um. Make it stop. <laughs> also, do you remember when Kendall Jenner ended racism? Yeah, I mean that was good of her. That was good of her. She didn't need to do that. She did. Nah. You know who? Actually, I've never really felt this way. I feel like you're going to agree. Who the best mm-hmm. one is? Kylie. Kylie by Miles. 100%. She is actually hilarious, obviously unintentionally. Mm. But then when the internet points out that she's hilarious because she doesn't want to seem like an idiot, she's like, oh my God, yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> like yeah. the the realizing video, the realizing mm. stuff video. Well, at the end of that year, she did a follow-up video. And she was like, I realized a lot of stuff. <laughs> and then the rise and shine thing she rips herself for that all of the time do you know what i'm talking about which is that she goes into stormy's room she's doing this like tour of her offices and inner offices she has like this incredibly luxurious nursery for her daughter and mm. she's like stormy's just waking from a nap and then she goes <laughs> in the room and she goes rise and shine <laughs> and it is the funniest thing you have to watch it. I need to and watch it everyone, now. Everyone, everyone rinsed her. Just Google Kylie Jenner Rise and Shine. I'll play it into the mic. Everyone rinsed her for so long, and now she and she will like put her Instagram caption as like Rise and Shine, everyone. <laughs> no, that's too. That's not minimalist oh, enough. Here it is. Get the gist. Fuck off, Audible. Middleton as oh, well. I'm only joking. We have one last room to visit, and that is Stormy's playroom. So follow me. Okay, we're gonna wake Stormy up and get out of here and show you guys her room. Rise and shine. <laughs> Rise and shine. Rise and shine. <laughs> Just a country and western singer. She was really trying hard for a contract. <laughs> it's hilarious. 
God, she's excellent. Get here, everyone. Sure, oh, she had one, didn't she? And I loved it when she had she had absolutely no lips, and then she got huge lips, and everyone was kind of had your lips, and she's going, no, just use lip liner now. <laughs> and do you remember when everyone got those things that they sucked on, and it made them like go a hospital? Oh my god, yeah, like little um, shot glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't look ideal that motion. No, no. it's good job <laughs> this is a audio medium. <laughs> oh bloody hell! Right, shall I tell you what next week's book and drink are? Yes, I'm please. Excited about this one. This one's been on the list for a while next week's book is the fundamental guide to life <laughs> learn to live love and laugh like a true hun <laughs> <laughs> right shine exactly by gareth howells is it oh my god so is hunsnet finally removed oh, their of invisibility is he hunsnet yeah oh. gareth howells gareth howells yeah I still get them mixed up. By Gareth Howells, forward by Lisa Scott Lee. <gasps> Amazing. Cannot wait for that. Uh, and to complement such a book, we are going to be drinking a gorgeous ice cold glass slash bottle of Echo Falls Rosé. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> The, oh. But I don't want just any Echo Falls Rosé. No, I, I want... know which one you want. You want the one that looks like jam. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I want the one where they're rebranded and they've got. So, oh, the... well, I'll let you choose. You can either have the white Zinfandel or you can have the summer berries. Okay. And I won't accept anything other than those two. Oh, so you wouldn't even accept Kaiman Oaks Rosé? No, that's not hun enough. Actually, yeah, I would. Okay, thank God, because that's actually quite nice. The summer berries one's only 5.5%, so fuck that, I'm getting the whites in. <laughs> uh, so very much looking forward to that. Haven't started it yet, but can't wait. Yeah, wow. And uh, as always, if you've got any compliments, even if they're not for us and if they're for Anne, email us at readingforattention at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at at reading for attention <laughs> at at um and yeah just let us know what you thought of this potty that's a good point actually sarah because now we'll have legions and legions of fans in chicago More so than ever. yeah yeah and and you know states stateside statewide and <laughs> worldwide <laughs> stateside yeah so I would like all of you to email us and tell us how brilliant we are. We're going to, I've put a filter on the emails. So if there's any hate speech, it just gets filtered out. So you may as well just tell us how much you love us. Oh, really? Have you? I want to no, be there. I oh. actually haven't. And as soon as I said that, I just still want that one death threat. Just the one. I know. Just one. Just one. That doesn't mean you all need to do it. No. Have a meeting. Chat amongst yourselves. One of you. Nominate one of you. Yeah. You can all sign it. But we just want the one email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let us know what you thought. We also know, American listeners, we know you can't understand us. We know. But you get our vibe. But you get the vibe. So, yeah, we we are from England. We are Northern. That's okay. Mm-hmm. We just hope that you stay. Ooh, that rhymed. Uh, all right, then. Well, I'll see you. I'll see you, Sarah, on Friday. And I'll see you, <laughs> listeners, when I'm officially 31 years of age. 31 years old. Yes. And then it will be our one-year anniversary. Yeah, how exciting. Right, love you all. Love you, Anne. Love you, Sarah. Love you, Anne. Love you, Paul. Love you, Chicago. Good night. Love you, Windy City. Bye. (laughs)